We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ready? Down! Put, 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 put! This is the Bear Report Podcast. With Zach Pearson, Zach Pearson, and Aaron Lemming, Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears. Go Bears! Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming. What's up, Bears fans? Welcome to another edition of the Bear Report Podcast. Training camp is officially here. We are recording this on Tuesday, July 26th as the Chicago Bears and all other 31 NFL teams are officially reported to training camp and practices begin this week. We got to hear from Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles today. Plus, there was some news on a couple signings the past few days here for the Bears. We're going to break down their press conference, the signings, all the latest news here on this episode. Before we get into that, though, I got to welcome in my co-host, Aaron Lemming. And Aaron, we say it all offseason the wait to training camp is long. Now we're finally here, and now it's like we go into full speed into the regular season and beyond here. Thank God, man. It, this offseason has felt like an eternity, and I don't even know if it's really in a bad way. It's just like there was, you know, obviously, you know, going back to January when they season finally ends, and they fire everybody, and then they make the hires, and then free agency was somewhat of a dud, and then obviously the draft, and then there was that big lull, and here we are. It's like, yeah, man, it's it's crazy, and and honestly, it feels like there's been a lot more excitement and news go around the last few days with everything that we'll touch on. Um, you know, it seems like there's been a lot more craziness going on um, than there was in free agency. You know, it's just like, it's, it's kind of crazy. Like, there's just a lot a lot to get to finally a lot to talk about, you know, don't have to beat a dead horse over anything. Um, you know, got some new perspective things, you know, or new perspective players to talk about some new perspective, uh, I guess, situations to talk about. I mean, there's just, there's a lot to cover, but the good news is, is this is all new stuff and we're finally past the dog days of all that. And we can finally get into training camp and preseason's not too far away. And, I mean, it's, it doesn't feel like it, at least out here, but it is, uh, it's definitely a football season. Yeah, finally. And, you know, like I said, I mean, we got to hear from Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles. This is their first training camp as the new regime. Um, we're going to kind of learn a lot about them over the next couple of weeks. And, you know, already today, I mean, we did learn a lot in terms of their roster. And I guess let's kind of just get into it. I think, you know, there's a couple of big talking points today and one of them was actually broke um, on Monday, I believe, where I think it was Ian Rapport 
stated that Roquan Smith um, was going to quote unquote, you know, hold in. He was going to show up to training camp, but he wasn't going to hit the practice fields because he's searching for a new deal. And um, the bears addressed this today. You know, Smith was there. Um, I don't expect him to practice at all when they hit the practice field. And, you know, while Ryan Pohl said, wouldn't admit that he has his own agent. I think it's pretty clear, does not have an agent. I, I think it's pretty clear that Roquan Smith is negotiating on his behalf. He does not have an agent um, and just won't hit the practice field until he wants the money he deserves. And then the other player to kind of keep an eye on who might not be on the field at all or, or to start training camp, Robert Quinn, he showed up today. Um, he has not practiced all off season, did not show up for the OTAs, did not show up for the mandatory mini camp, um, all that stuff. And his is a little different. I mean, you know, he's kind of a veteran who wants a trade. And, um, you know, so far the Bears haven't been able to accommodate that or, you know, so is the report. Um, but, yeah, seeing those two guys in your defense, arguably your two best players in your defense, um, have those kind of situations, you know, it's, it's kind of big news. And I think Ryan Poles, you know, I, I wasn't shocked by his answers. He pretty much said he respects Roquan. He loves him as a person, loves him as a player but he wouldn't go into any sort of answer to um, a contract where they're at with, you know, how far they are apart um, or any of that good stuff today. Well, you know, and, and this is kind of the, this is where things are going to get a little tricky, right? Because, you know, it, it's a complex situation. This isn't just the normal, you know, Ryan Pace drafted the guy and, you know, he's still here and Roquan Smith as an agent. I mean, there's multiple levels to this situation. And, you know, I think one of the big ones and one of the more overlooked parts of this situation is the fact that Roquan Smith does not have an agent, right? So that makes everything much more complex in terms of the overall uh, negotiation, because usually you have that agent as a buffer when, you know, both sides are playing hardball with each other and the team's kind of discounting value and saying, well, you know, your price may be $20 million a year, but we're more in the 15 to $16 million range because we feel like he's at this level and not at this level. And, you know, so now without that agent buffer, you're going to get into some personal feelings and that's just kind of the way it goes. And it's been kind of talked about that he does have some sort of like financial advisor, but it sounds like it's a family member, which is again, not the greatest idea. And then, you know, obviously on the bear side of things, you kind of look at it and you say, okay, well, you know, Roquan Smith is arguably their best defensive player. He's also somebody who's just 25 years old. He's somebody that you need to get under contract. If you look at the last two, um, you know, top of the market linebacker deals that were signed there, or, well, I guess it's now Shaquille uh, Leonard, uh, formerly uh, Darius Leonard, uh, who signed a five-year, $98.5 million deal. And then you also had Fred Warner, who was five-year, and I want to say it was like $95.5 million. But either way, I mean, really right there, basically, you're looking at, you know, basically, you know, right, right around $19 million a year in five years. So th that's the blueprint. And obviously, as we've seen, um, sometimes – the longer you wait, um, the more the market goes up. And there is an argument to be made that while an off-the-ball linebacker is valuable, and Bears fans obviously know all about that with a rich tradition um, you know, at the linebacker position, it's also a position that maybe doesn't quite have the same value 
is, you know, is maybe what the bears are valuing it or whatever it may be. Um, so it's kind of tough because, you know, in terms of overall value, I mean, linebackers valuable, but when you're talking about defensive line and, and, you know, edge rusher and cornerback, like you could make an argument that those are more valuable positions overall than a linebacker. And you're talking about having to pay a linebacker anywhere from 18 to $20 million a year. It's tough, especially when this regime has not seen him on the field. So I don't think polls really helped himself out today. I, I understand him not wanting to comment on a lot of stuff, but it's kind of one of those things. There has to be some give and take. And again, he's still new. So I'm, I'm sure that will kind of work itself out as he gets more comfortable, but it's a tough situation. I, I, I do think, and I don't know how you feel about this. I do think that they're going to end up figuring something out. I think they're going to get something done because here's the reality, even with the, with the moves that the bears have made over the last few days, they're still going to be rolling into next year with a lot of cap space. And that's even before, you know, considering any sort of cut from any of the guys that they can cut and save, you know, a pretty big chunk of money on. And there's going to be a few of those guys next year too. So then the bears are going to have a ton of money to work with. It's not going to change if Roquan Smith is under contract, like they're still probably going to have the most amount of cap space in the entire league. So I don't think money is going to be the issue. Um, but again, there's, it's just kind of a complex um, negotiation going on because of the circumstances that it's at. But ultimately I think something's going to get done. Um, you know, even, even guys like, uh, you know, Brad Biggs and a few of them have kind of alluded to that as well. Eventually something will get done. And ultimately I think if he is indeed a hold in, which it's the only smart way to go, especially with a new CBA, if you show up and you don't practice, you don't get fined. If you don't show up and, you know, you do get fined. So it's one of those situations where it makes a lot more sense for Roquan Smith and even a guy like Robert Quinn to show up. Um, you know, as far as Robert Quinn goes, I mean, I, I think that's going to be when the Bears get their value, they'll deal him. Um, I would have to assume that that value is probably a second or third round pick. Maybe I'm aiming a little too high, but I think that that situation is going to be one that plays out a little longer. I think with the Roquan Smith situation, I think, you know, a week or two is sitting out of practice. Hopefully you can get something done. Hopefully it doesn't come to that. As we saw, even with Jaquan Brister, I mean, things can come together at the last minute and hopefully we'll see uh, something there, but at least he's there. I mean, I, I guess that's, that's, that's really all you can see at this point, you know, at least he's there. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I agree with you. I think something's going to get done um, with Roquan. I'm confident. I don't think you can let a talent like that um, you, you know, leave your, leave your roster, unless you want to just completely 
tear it down and, and restart from the bottom. I don't think the bears want to do that. I mean, they've already pretty much <laughs> tore down the roster and Ryan Poles has had to, um, you know, kind of rebuild it his way with what um, Ryan Pace has left them. So yeah, I'm confident that uh, Roquan Smith will get a deal done. He'll be on the practice field soon, hopefully. And uh, kind of be the leader of the defense, you know, with Robert Quinn, I'm with you on that as well. I think it's going to drag out a little longer. And you and I have talked about it on this podcast where you can wait until the trade deadline. And if he has a big season, you know, the value is going to go up on him. If he struggles, you know, maybe it goes down a little bit right now. I mean, yeah, I'd take a day two pick. I'd take a couple of day three picks for him because it's clear for me, he doesn't want to be here. I mean, he would have showed up, you know, for the OTAs and minicamp. And he wants to play on a team that's going to give him a chance to, to be a Super Bowl, you know, contender. And right now, that's not the Bears. I mean, the Bears are just not in that position to be a Super Bowl contender when Robert Quinn is going to be still in his prime and having big seasons. So, yeah, I, you know, uh, long story short, I expect them both to be on the practice field at some point in training camp. Um, Roquan with a long-term deal and, and then probably, you know, um, uh, Robert Quinn out there knowing that he's going to get traded eventually. Uh, but we'll have to see. And, and I, I think tomorrow will tell us, you know, a lot in terms of, uh, I don't think Roquan will be on that practice field. He said he's not going to be out there. And um, with Quinn, you know, he's still in the building, different situation, but will he go out there and actually, you know, practice? It's going to be kind of to be determined. So let's kind of transition to the other things. Um, the other two moves that the Bears made. Monday, they signed Michael Schofield after bringing him in for a workout. He's an offensive guard, a veteran in this league. And then right before Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus talk today, news breaks that they have signed Riley Reef, the long-tenured um, offensive tackle, spent time with the Detroit Lions, spent time with the Minnesota Vikings, um, and has also just recently spent time with the Cincinnati Bengals on their run to the Super Bowl. So we look at it this way, Aaron. I mean, the Bears had question marks about their offensive line going into camp, and rightfully so. And I look at it this way. I think Schofield has the inside track to be the starter right guard, and I think Riley Reef is probably going to be your starter at left tackle, although they'll, they'll probably give him a shot at right tackle too and just kind of see where Larry Borum or Tevin Jenkins fits better as well. Um, but I think the Bears found two starters here. Now, is it a complete improvement where the offensive line is now one of the better ones in the league? No, but they are better than where they were at uh, going into training camp at least. Well, I think when you look at these moves, right, and I know, you know, some some fans have the tendency of looking at a player and just automatically thinking they're going to be great. I, I think when you look at these two moves, Schofield is average, right? He's an average, you know, sometimes above, sometimes below average, but, you know, his median is right around average. And But when you compare that to what they were looking at before, you know, with Dakota Dozier before he went down with the ACL tear, and then Sam Mustafer, who couldn't cut it at center, and then all of a sudden you're going to slide him out to right guard. I just that was a, a recipe for disaster. You were asking for something bad to happen there. So when you look at Schofield, I think you're looking at a guy average is fine, man. I mean, look at look at their offensive line last year. It's like I mean, James Daniel was D James Daniels was average um, for the majority of the season. Cody White here was below average, and Sam Mustafer at center was just awful. Um, so now you're looking at a situation where you have Lucas Patrick who played, you know, above average last year. I mean, he was pretty damn good anywhere that the Packers have slotted them over the last two years. Um, and then, you know, you look at Cody white here and you have to hope maybe he can bounce back a little bit. Um, and then obviously with Schofield, I mean, I, I think you're, 
even if they're not, you're not talking about an elite uh, interior offensive line. You're not talking about an elite offensive line as a whole. And you're also looking at a guy like Schofield, who's already in his 30s. He's not going to be a long-term option. But for this year, I think it works fine. And I think that's kind of the same thing with Riley Reef. Now, my original thought, I won't lie, when I had seen that they'd signed him and I saw the money, I originally I read it as a two-year $12 million deal. I'm like, okay, cool. And then I reread it back and it was like, it was a one year, $10 million deal with a, you know, up to 12 million. Although Brad Spielberg has basically come out since and said, you know, the up to will probably be around 10. And then, you know, the 12 million will probably be some unreachable thing. And realistically, this is probably more of like a seven to $8 million base. And, you know, it is what it is. The bears had some money to spend. It is what it is. And, and really, again, the thing with reef is, is he great anymore? Or is he even, you know, really good? No, but he's definitely above average. And I think when, when you look at a guy like Riley Reef, he can play both left tackle and right tackle. Frankly, he's better at left tackle, at least historically speaking. He's been considerably better at left tackle than he was at right tackle uh, this last year, um, you know, with Cincinnati. But either way, again, you're taking out an unknown, which is probably not going to be a good thing. We've talked about it before, right? You're talking about a situation where if Braxton Jones – and Larry Borum were to start as your two starting tackles. You're talking about two fifth round picks starting at tackle for you at, you know, two of the most important positions on the offensive line. Historically speaking, when you're looking at, you know, the, the hit rate on fifth round uh, tackles or fifth round offensive linemen as a whole, especially tackles, it is not good. And it is not good at all. So, I mean, Again, neither one of these guys are established. Obviously, you know, Tevin Jenkins is going to get a shot to win one of these jobs too. And they haven't, they clearly haven't been overly impressed with them. Um, so I, again, even if you're getting an average to slightly above average uh, production out of Riley Reed or Riley Reef, I mean, that's still, it's still an improvement. And pretty much what that does is that pits three guys against each other for either right tackle or left tackle. I'm assuming right tackle with Braxton Jones, uh, Larry Borum, and, and, and uh, uh, Tevin Jenkins to where you can basically say, okay, the best guy's going to win. If that guy doesn't work out, we've got two other guys that we can you know throw in there and try to get it figured out. And obviously you would have liked to see them be able to figure it out with the three young guys that they have. But at the same time, and again, this is something we talked about on the podcast. This has been one of my biggest concerns all off season is and I've said this multiple times, you can have the receiving core that the Bears have. They've got some upside there. The chances are the receiving core is not going to be very good, but at least you have a proven target, Darnell Mooney. And I think you can get enough upside out of Byron Pringle to be a solid number two or number three. That's fine. But when you don't have the offensive line, when you have a below average receiving core and you have an awful offensive line, you're asking for problems with a second-year quarterback. Now, again, I don't think this – offensive line is going to be elite or even probably good for that matter. But I think if they are league average or somewhere close to it, which should be the goal, you're putting Justin Fields in a position, a much better position to succeed than you were three days ago. And, you know, it's just kind of one of those situations where sometimes it takes, you know, takes a while for things to play out. And I think I, at least in my opinion, I think the, objective was clear basically you know ryan pole said okay we're gonna go out we're gonna draft you know they basically they threw you know four day three picks at offensive linemen uh, plus they had sam usterford dakota dozier plus they had you know larry borum and tevin jenkins and said okay we're gonna figure out what these guys have and then we're gonna go from there and very clearly they weren't comfortable enough that doesn't mean that they won't be good enough down the line some of these guys but they clear very clearly weren't comfortable enough right now 
to go with the younger guys, the, the more inexperienced guys where there could be more growing pains. And I think that kind of circling back to that narrative that's been going around all offseason that Ryan Poles clearly doesn't like Justin Fields and doesn't feel Justin Fields is the future. And I've always, I don't think he's surrounded him with talent very well. And I do think that there's an argument that you can say just based on the talent alone, at least before this, that you can, you can make an argument that he's being put in the position to fail. With that being said, this whole rhetoric of the fact that the Bears are purposely putting him in a position to fail and that Ryan Poles doesn't like, that's nonsense. Because the reality of it is, is if Justin Fields is that guy for the Chicago Bears, the overall outlook of this team drastically improves overnight. The minute that people realize like Justin Fields is going to be a top 10, you know, top five to top 10 quarterback in this league, all of a sudden that entire perception changes. And I'm not saying these two moves will magically make it happen. But what I am saying is, is that they put themselves in a better position not to get him killed like he was, you know, getting last year. And I think especially with the schematic changes that have been made, especially with a more competent offense, an offense that is going to be a wide zone blocking scheme that is going to allow Justin Fields to get out of the pocket, that's going to move the pocket around, that's going to, you know, really use the play action fake, even if they are a run first team. Like, look at the Packers last year. The Packers were a run first team, but it doesn't mean that they run on every first down or that they run on every second down or that they're predicting. So if everything, if, if the coaching is as good as everybody wants it to be and that the Bears are assuming it's going to be and they have an average offensive line and the receiving core that they have with some upside, I think that that is more than good enough, like a Josh Allen 2019 and year two type situation to where Justin Fields has more than enough around him or enough around him, I should say, to be able to take that next step and show that he's a guy. Because I think we could both agree on this, that the worst thing that could happen this year for the Bears is to leave 2022 without knowing if Justin Fields is your guy or not. Because if you win, let's just say in a worst case scenario, you win three or four games and you still don't know if Justin Fields is your guy, then what the hell are you going to do with that top three to top five pick you have? Because this is going to be a, a pretty good quality quarterback class, or at least it looks like that right now. And you want to be in a, if you are in a position to be able to take one of those quarterbacks, you want to know without a shadow of a doubt whether or not you need to take one of those guys because it comes in twofold. If you need to take one of those guys, you can, and you can hit the reset button, and it is what it is. You're in the second year of a rebuild with a rookie quarterback. Or if Justin Fields is a guy, then all of a sudden you either trade out of that and you start building some of this draft capital like the Eagles have done, like some of these other teams have done, where you can have multiple first-round picks and continue to trade down and continue to have more than enough draft capital, high-round draft capital, or you sit there and you take, you know, an offensive lineman or an elite defensive lineman or an elite edge rusher or even maybe a receiver. I'm not a big fan of that, but you get the point. There's a multitude of different options if Justin Fields is that guy, but you need to know one way or another. And I think, you know, a long-winded way of saying that I think that this is the Bears are finally taking steps, at least in my eyes, to put Fields in a position to where we should know one way or another coming out of this year. Again, we should. Doesn't mean it's going to happen, but we should know one way or another coming out of this year whether or not Justin Fields is going to be the guy. And I think that these last two moves have to make fans, regardless of if you're pessimistic or optimistic, I think this has to make fans feel considerably better right now what this offensive line looks like than it did before because it was a giant mess with a lot of unknowns. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, and, and I think you're right, too. And Matt Eberflus kind of pointed to this when he was asked about the offensive line. And, you know, it's, it's very important for Justin Fields' success because, like you said, you know, at least the Bears have Darnell Mooney. At least they have someone like Brian Pringle who has produced. I mean, you know, what they're taking a flyer on, on someone like Akil Harry, and they're hoping that Vilas Jones um, uh, emerges. The offensive line, for me, was the weaker of the two units because of the, so many question marks. And kind of going back to what I was going to say, Matt Eberflus said he feels like his team got better after these two acquisitions on the offensive line. And I agree with him. I, you know, I don't think Schofield is a pro bowl type player. Riley Reeves is a pro bowl type player. That's going to come in right away and, and just dominate, but they give a little stability to your offensive line. They're, they're veterans. They, they know how to play. And now you look at your offensive line. And if Reef is on the left side, you have, a veteran on the left side, you have a veteran at left guard, you have a veteran at center, you have a veteran at right guard. You're going to have um, Larry Borm or Tevin Jenkins at, at right tackle, um, and both of them just going into year two, so there's not a lot of experience there, but at least you have 45 offensive linemen as veterans with a lot of experience um, combined over the year. So I'm encouraged by the two signings. I, like, again, I don't, I don't think they're going to be all pro players or pro bowl players or anything like that, but I trust them to protect Justin Fields and kind of run what the Bears wanted run with their outside zone scheme um, more than I do than the question marks they had going into training camp. So uh, I'm excited for it. I think Eberflus is right. Um, now they have to kind of figure out where these guys are going to play. And it won't be right away. Uh, it's going to be with the pads on. You know, the, the first couple of practices will be no pads. I believe next Monday they'll get to, to the, to the pad sessions. And I think that's when we're kind of going to see these offensive line combos. I know we'll see who comes out first tomorrow with the first team. I wouldn't put a ton of stock into that for Wednesday's practice. I think once those pads get on and we see a couple practices of people in certain spots, I think that's going to be a, a bigger telling point um, for where they, what they want to do with their offensive line. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, here's the reality. We're not going to know anything, and Lucas Patrick said this today, and it's just kind of common knowledge. I mean, we're not going to know anything until these guys strap on the pads and really get to it, right? And and I think the other thing to kind of keep in mind here is just, you know, whoever starts, the, you know, one of the tackle positions, you know, whatever tackle position Riley, Reed, Riley Reef, I don't know why I keep wanting to call him Reed, Riley Reef is at, there's not at more of the point, then, you know, it doesn't mean that that's going to be the same guy that's playing in, you know, preseason game number three for them. And I think that's kind of one of the things that we're all guilty of, or at least most of us are guilty of is we live 
very much in the moment when it comes to training camp practices, right? You know, so-and-so showing out, so-and-so is making these plays, you know, every year, every year it's the same thing, you know, and it's like, you know, the, some guys will stand out in camp and then you get in the preseason and they, they don't get a lot of opportunities or they don't really show up that much. And then they get cut and everybody's up in arms because so-and-so was so great in training camp. When the reality of the matter is, is it's a, it's, it's an entire evaluation of the roster and it starts, you know, in the off season programs, which there's not as much value put into that just because of, you know, uh, w- what is mandated within the CBA and how limited they are, but even going into training camp practices and ultimately what happens in those games. And there is plenty. And I mean, there are plenty of roster battles. There's going to be a lot of intrigue, but I think it's just kind of key to keep in mind that, you know, just if Larry Borm ends up at right tackle, you know, in, in, in practice one or in preseason game one, it doesn't mean that he's going to be the guy that's at right tackle come, you know, week one of the regular season. So it's kind of something to keep in mind. It's always a nice reminder for everybody, including myself, that you can't live and die too much, you know, on the, on the preseason reports and who looks good and who, you know, does that because ultimately, you know, a, a lot of times, you know, these coaches will already have a good idea who they want. And I think in this situation, I don't think they have as good of an idea, but I do think that this is going to be a situation where they're not going to be afraid to shuffle things around. I mean, we saw, you know, different offensive line configurations through the 12 practices that they had. And now we're seeing a completely different offensive line configuration now because of the two players that they've added, there's a little bit more competition. There's also less stress and less reliability or reliancy on, uh, you know, just having some of these rookies of these young guys come in and step in right away. And again, ultimately the goal is, is you still want these guys to develop. You still need them down the line, but it puts less pressure on them and ultimately ends up helping Justin Fields out. So I think that's going to be something interesting. I definitely think it's less pressing. It's less, uh, you know, stressful to think about, frankly. Um, but it's also going to be something that's going to be, you know, pretty interesting to kind of monitor and, and, and see how it goes. And really at this point, you just kind of have to hope, hope for no injuries and hope that they can get to week one with, you know, the best offensive line configuration that they have. Yeah. And obviously the goal is, is protecting Justin Fields and keeping him upright. His development is the most important thing, you know, for this franchise. And I want to go to something today that, that Matt Eberflus said about Justin Fields and he was asked, you know, what has he learned about him the most this offseason, the answer he kind of joked was that, you know, his ping pong skills or whatever. And then he kind of went to the real answer and he went to leadership. And, and I think that was something that kind of stuck with me because I've noticed that too with, with Justin Fields and him, you know, working out with Darnell Mooney, working out with Valus Jones, Cole Komet, guys like that. And I point to one practice where I forget who the receiver was. He obviously broke off his route the wrong way or something. The timing was off. And I saw Fields go up to him, you know, and kind of point to where he's supposed to be, talk to him about it and try to get it right. And Fields really, you know, he did it a little bit last year, but you could tell it's just a different swagger with him. He knows he's the number one guy here. He doesn't have to worry about Nathan Peterman or Trevor Simeon over his shoulder because they're not going to beat him out. He doesn't have to worry about Andy Dalton or, or Nick Falls like he did last year. I think that's a different mindset for a quarterback. And when your head coach is praising the leadership more than the stuff on the field, it doesn't mean that the stuff on the field is bad. It means that he sees that leadership trait in you. And Fields talked about it as well. He talked about how, you know, he kind of liked those failures in a weird way last year because it kind of helps motivate him this year to be great. And 
not stop until they, they, you know, they win the Super Bowl eventually down the line. You know, if that ever happens, I, I thought him and Matt Eberflus had really good quotes on that. And, you know, it might just be coach speak. It might just be player speak, rah, rah, you know, get them hyped up, but it is something that field has improved on the leadership. And I think that goes a long way. You could have all the, the, the skill in the world on the football field. If you don't have the leadership quality, you're going to be set back a little bit um, in your career. And I think now for fields, that next step is obviously the development here and year two. Well, there are a few things I took away from, you know, just hearing fields talk him and him and Lucas Patrick are up there at the same time. And, and yeah, kind of like you pointed out, I mean, you talked about, you know, the, the, the failures and, you know, in a weird way and, you know, enjoying, you know, being able to learn from them and stuff like that. And I think it's worth keeping in mind. I mean, Justin Fields is a guy that has always had success anytime that he's played in games. I mean, going back to high school, and then obviously, you know, the whole Georgia thing didn't quite go as planned, but then he gets Ohio State, wins the job, puts up incredible numbers there over two years, and then he comes to the Bears, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're they're six and you know, six and eleven. And, you know, he got the crap kicked out of them. He had a lot of, you know, I should say a lot, but he had some low moments, you know, it was just one of those situations that he wasn't conditioned to. But I think at the same time, it's one of those situations where, you know, in terms of mental strength and mental toughness, I mean, Justin Fields, and even in terms of overall intelligence, I mean, Justin Fields cannot be questioned. And I think that's the one nice thing versus somebody like maybe a Trubisky where, you know, they were having to turn off TVs in the locker room around him. So he wasn't seeing all the bad press about him. Right. Like that, that Justin Fields doesn't care. Like Justin Fields is who Justin Fields is. Uh, he's a, you know, a very strong minded individual and you don't have to worry about that shaking him. But I, yeah, I, I think, you know, the, the leadership stuff has been talked about quite a bit. I also thought it was interesting, um, you know, that he singled out Darnell Mooney as kind of his one guy that, you know, they've really done a lot of work this offseason. It's interesting because if you go back and you watch the uh, the 1920 football drive um, episode that they just released, I think it was yesterday or the day before, and you just kind of, you know, watch it a little bit and you, you hear the coaches talking and you talk, I think it was Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus were talking and, Poles basically said something along the lines of, yeah, I've been really encouraging, you know, Cole Komet and, you know, Darnell Mooney to get with, you know, Justin Fields and, you know, during, you know, during the offseason and work. And I mean, they've been doing that. And again, we, we've seen this story before, right? We've seen it like Trubisky did the same thing. Like it's, it's not to say, you know, Andy Dalton, I guess not really Andy Dalton, but Mike Lennon did the same thing. Like, you know, everybody does it, you know, so it's not anything special. It's not anything out of the ordinary, but I think, when you're looking at Cole Komet and you're looking at Darnell Mooney, those are two guys that you know that are going to be around the next few years, right? They, they came from the same draft class. You've got them at least the next two years. Those are, those are pieces that you can form as key pieces to your offense with a quarterback that's in his second year, that if he is really good, the bears entire outlook turns around. So yeah, I thought it was interesting just to kind of hear him talk. He definitely seems a little bit more confident. I mean, he's he's not – I mean, he's never going to be one of those guys that's like super uh, – I don't. I wouldn't say personable. He's not going to show a ton of personality or, you know, a ton of whatever. Like he's just kind of like – he's all business. He's always been that way. I mean, you can even go back – if you go back and watch, um, you know, some of the stuff – what was that show called? I, I know you can remember off the top of your head. I can't remember what it was. Um, QB – yeah, it's QB1, which is yeah. no longer – 
running, which is kind of disappointing because I actually liked watching. That. Yeah, it was actually a pretty entertaining show. But like, if you if even if you go back and you and you watch him back in high school, like he's still the same. Like in a lot of ways, he's still the same guy. Like he's just he's very stoic. I think that would be the best way of describing. It. And it's not a negative at all. It's just his personality. He's not shaken by a lot, but I, I do think he he seems more comfortable up there talking. Uh, he definitely seems a little bit more confident. And I think that for as terrible as last year was, for as terrible situations that Matt Nagy put him in, for as terrible, really, as, as, as frankly, as, as terrible as the, the situations that the Bears as an organization put him in, even having Matt Nagy as a coach and and you look at this offensive staff, you know, that, that is no longer with the team. And most of these guys aren't even in the NFL anymore. I mean, that says a lot. And that's not to say that, you know, this new coaching staff is going to be the latest and greatest, but it's, it's going to be hard to be worse than that. Right. So I, I think that fields has been able to kind of step away a little bit and reflect and realize like, this is very likely going to be a better situation for him. Um, you know, if you get the right coaching in there, I think that's going to make a big difference. I think he's also going to understand a lot more this year. And I think if you can tailor fit, you know, tailor make an offense around him instead of just saying, Hey, this is the offense you either run it or you don't. And, you know, do a lot of things that are clearly his weaknesses. Then I think that that's going to go a long way as well. So yeah, it was definitely interesting to hear him talk. It was definitely interesting to hear uh, Matt Eberflus, you know, talk about him too, because, you know, Ryan Poles is definitely a little bit more, I would say, stoic in the fact that he's he's like he he obviously shows emotion. I mean, we, we saw it on the you know, the I think it was 1920 football drive when they did the draft and how emotionally he got, how emotional he's been, you know, at some of the press conferences. But I think in terms of like overall, you know, his player evaluations to the media, he tends to be a lot more closed guarded, which is fine. I mean, that's just is it is what it is. But I think with a guy like Matt Eberflus, he's a little bit easier to read, at least for me. And maybe I'm not the only one. I don't know. But he seems to be a little bit easier to read. And you can definitely tell that there's an excitement, right? And I think even with Ryan Poles, there's definitely – you can tell that <clears throat> at very worst, he's at least wanting to give Fields a chance. And I think that, again, if you do enough around him, and obviously you got to have some injury luck and stuff like that, but if you do enough around him, then you should have a pretty good idea of what you have in him by the end of the year. And I think that's, you know, I hope like hell Justin Fields succeeds. I mean, I was a big fan of Justin Fields coming out. I hope like hell he succeeds, but I also hope like hell that the Bears know what they need to do at quarterback by the end of the year, because I think that's the one thing that can really either, you know, speed up this rebuild or really drag it down is, is a situation where you get out of this season, not knowing what's going on, but I don't know, man, I, I think fields is going to be good again, though, kind of going back to what we're talking about a little bit ago. um, Don't put a ton of stock in the training camp. Don't even put a ton of stock in the preseason. There's going to be a lot of different things going on. It's a brand new offense, a lot of new pieces, you know, just kind of take it in stride. And I, I think we'll know, man. I, I think a lot of people knew even with Trubisky back in 2019 where, you know, you see, you see him in those first few games of the season, you're like, okay, this is – he's just not the guy. I, I, I think it's going to be exact opposite with Fields this year. I think he's going to get out on the field. Things are going to look more comp- competent. He's going to start making some of those crazy throws. And we're going to be like, okay, this is the guy that we expected. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah, I'm with you, and I, and I certainly hope so. I hope it's a lot different than the Matt, than the Mitch Trubisky and, and Matt Nagy era. And to kind of touch on that point, you know, go back to Eberflus. I, I also thought Jalen Johnson kind of had an interesting quote today, talking about how the, the culture um, is a little different here in Chicago. And this is a guy who's played the his first two seasons under um, Matt Nagy, and that's all he's known is, is Matt Nagy. And now to kind of be here with uh, a new head coach in Matt Eberflus um, and to kind of praise it, you know, he pretty much said they're raising the standards here. They're, they're establishing the standards. It's, it's reestablishing a different culture, a different foundation and kind of a different way of doing things. And, you know, that kind of stood out to me because, you know, he's going into detail saying that, that they hold like how Matt Eberflus holds his players accountable is crazy compared to what, what we're used to is the exact quote. And, you know, players have been called out in meetings when you're, when you're not picking up the football off the ground uh, on defense and, and Matt Eberflus and Alan Williams are getting after them. I don't know for sure if, if Matt Nagy wasn't and that coaching staff wasn't, I feel like that coaching staff was a little more lax and judging by what we've heard from other players in, in the past couple of months here, it kind of sounds like, you know, it is a little bit of a shot there at Matt Nagy in terms of maybe the focus just wasn't there for them on the defensive side of the football. I don't think they had that problem in 2018 when Vic Fangio was running things, but when they brought in, you know, um, Sean Desai was there last year and um, I'm blanking on the Indianapolis Colts, former head coach, um, uh, Chuck Pagano, Chuck Pagano, things were a little more lax and, you know, this is just kind of a testament to what Matt Eberflus wants to do. And I like this because he truly is a guy that really wants control over the entire roster. He doesn't want to just be a guy that focuses on offense or focuses on defense. He wants to be a true head coach where he's got his hand kind of almost in everything, but a good way. He's overseeing everything. And for me, that quote from Jalen Johnson really stood out. And I like kind of like where things are going here now with that. Well, I'm kind of curious from your perspective, because obviously you were there. I mean, I just got to got to watch it. But was it just me or Jalen Johnson have a presence, man? Like he just he just yes, he did. Man. He, did. He, he had that he had that cornerback one. He had that he had that number one cornerback feel to him. I don't know what it was, man. There was just something about him where you could just you just feel it. Like you can feel the confidence. Like he put off, I know it's, it's dumb to say, cause it's just a press conference, but man, he put off a good vibe. Like there was just something about the way that he was up there answering questions and talking. I don't know. There was just something plus he cussed, which you, you're automatically going to score points with me if you do that, especially, you know, in that type of environment. But you know, what's funny though, is like, you know, he talks about the, the accountability and all that stuff. And I don't know if you remember last year, but, not only did Jalen Johnson get fined last yep. year by the Matt Nagy era, you know, by the Matt Nagy coaching staff, but then he posted a picture of it for being late. And then you couple that with the beginning of this year where it was like, he showed up for, I think it was like the first set of practices. And then he was gone for the second or gone for a little bit of the second. And then all of a sudden he was running with the second team and everybody was like, Whoa, what the hell's going on here? And 
you know, then he had that quote about, and I thought it was a positive quote and not, not a negative thing at all, but he had that quote about basically he felt like the rookie should be thrown into the fire and so on and so forth. And it's like, okay, like, you know, and then uh, ever since then though, he's been back with the, you know, number one. And like I said, he just has a different, different vibe to him. But what I found interesting about, and it's been interesting, even, you know, going back to some of the media availability, um, you know, back in May and June, and obviously today as well, with, with some of the former players that were here for the other regime, there's been a lot of subtle shots taken. Um, at least in my opinion, there's been a lot of subtle multiple, shots. Multiple, multiple. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely going to be interesting to see because, I mean, let's, you know, again, without downing the, you know, the old regime too much and trying to pump up this new regime too much, I think that we can all agree that last year especially, um, and it really started trending really after 2018, but it got really bad in 2020 and 2021. But this last year, man, of the Matt Nagy era, it was, oh, my God. God, that probably one of the most undisciplined football teams I have seen play in the NFL in quite some time, at least from a Bears team. It, it was just, it was awful. I mean, you were, I mean, it, even going back to 2020, you had, uh, you know, you had, it was, it, it was, was it Bellamy or was Bellamy already off the, no, it was Javon Wims. That's who yeah, it was. Yeah. It was 15, yeah. And it was Javon Wims throwing punches. You had Anthony Miller throwing punches. Then you had all those unnecessary penalties last year and just a lack of focus. Like, I mean, again, it kind of goes back to like, can things be any worse than it, than it was last year? And, and again, I don't think I'll be honest. I, I, I think the lions, and this is kind of a little bit of a sidebar here, but just stay with me and you understand what I'm saying. I think the Lions are going to be improved this year. Um, with that being said, I am not 100% sold. I'm not even remotely sold um, that Dan Quinn's a good head coach. I, I, you know, I, the whole bite the kneecap stuff and all the crazy stuff that he says, but what I will say about him and the kind of vibe that I'm getting, maybe not such a hardcore vibe from Eberflus himself, but just kind of the overall, uh, you know, core principles that he seems to be teaching is, you know, the, the Lions were terrible last year, but you know what, man, if you watch any of their games, um, they fought like hell from beginning to end. And that was something that the Bears really didn't do at all last year. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more of that from the Bears this year, because I think that that is going to be and they, they've, they've talked about it. This is going to be there is an expectation in, in the building you know, get your track shoes on. You better be in shape. You know, they're going to have physical practices. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. Like it, it is going to be a much more accountable football team. And I think, you know, especially with the amount of players that they have that, I mean, there's just not a lot of proven talent on this team, you know, call it what you will, whether you want to say that they're bad or whether they're unproven, there is a lot of unproven talent on this team which can go one of two ways either you know it could be really bad or you can have a lot of guys that come out of nowhere um, that can you know establish themselves as good players but I think that you're you know you have this created you're, you're trying to create a culture you bring in these guys and you basically say okay you know over 50% of this roster going into week one, even 50% of the roster right now, but the 50% of the roster going into week one is going to be completely different than it was last year. And you're, you're creating a more competitive culture. And I think you're going to create a more accountable culture to where, you know, guys are either going to buy in or they're going to get the hell out. And ultimately I think a lot of the guys that they have right now, especially the younger guys, which is what they need to be focused on are going to be the ones that are really going to need to buy in. And at least, 
listening to what some of these guys are saying so far, especially defensively, it seems to be quite a bit of buy-in. And I know that there was some concern with, with Matt Eberflus out of the gate with his press conference and, and his use of acronyms. And, you know, some kind of thought it was cheesy and he had a lot of coach speak, but I don't know, man, but there's just something about, there just seems to be a little bit of an attitude shift. Um, and I think even Ryan Poles is kind of, kind of feeding into that as well in terms of like, he's kind of one of those people who is pushing that as well, because I mean, this is a guy with the chip on his shoulder. This is a guy that was an undrafted free agent that basically didn't actually make it in the NFL that came back and, you know, rose up the ranks really quickly and is now an NFL GM. Like, there's a lot of motivating factors on this team, and I'm not saying it's going to work, but I do think that we're going to see a much more motivated team this year, and I think I, I think that we can all hope that this is going to be a much better, uh, you know, effort team, and it's going to be a, a smarter football team that doesn't make the same stupid mistakes that we've seen in the last few years. Yeah, I get that vibe, too, and, and I get it from the players. I get it from Matt Eberflus. I get it from Ryan Poles. I get the vibe in the building. I don't know. You know, I was there when Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy had their introductory press conference um, for training camps. Um, I didn't go to the one at Decatur because I thought it was kind of crazy that they go all the way to Decatur, do the press conference, then come back. Uh, but I was there in 2018 in Bourbon A. And, you know, there was excitement. I can't lie. There, there, there was excitement for um, – this new regime. And I think a lot of that was the young quarterback in Mitch Trubisky and the QB whisperer in, in Matt Nagy. Um, but as you pointed out, you know, as the years went on, that excitement just deflated. And I think this excitement's a little different. It's okay. We have a guy who, you know, he's not an offensive gear guru. He's not really, you know, a defensive guru. Um, he's a head coach. He's a guy that wants his football team to be disciplined. He's a guy that wants his football team to do the right things and, and play the right way and play his style. And, you know, almost to me, it feels like go back to that old Chicago Bears style of run the football, you know, put your quarterback in good situations, play really good defense, and then let your quarterback do his thing and, and showcase his arm talent and all that. And it's just, I get the vibe today, just sitting there, you know, listening to Matt Eberflus and listening to Ryan Poles and, listening to Justin Fields and Jalen Johnson, like the swagger, the attitude, the vibe was just kind of there. I don't think it was a, I don't think this team's going to be great by any means. I still think it's a rebuild. Um, and it's going to be a little bit of a long rebuild, but I think they got the right pieces and they got the players to buy in early. That is one of the toughest things to do as a head coach, especially a new head coach is getting a bunch of guys that, you know, you sign that have not played together before. I mean, Look at this roster, how many new additions they have. And to get them all to buy in, I, that's impressive. And I think Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles are on the right step to hopefully building something su successful here. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, and I think, you know, this year is about establishing that culture. This year is about weeding out the rest of the – you know, misfits, I guess you could say, or the guys that just simply aren't going to fit moving forward from the old, you know, the old roster and, and, and trying to find some new pieces. And again, man, like, you know, it, it's been an ongoing battle and I'm sure you've seen it on Twitter too, where there seems to be a certain segment of the fan base who wants to believe that the bears are going to be 
a borderline playoff team or that they're going to be a playoff team, that they're going to win 10 or 11 games. Maybe that happens. I mean, obviously there's a reason that they play the season the way they play it. I don't think anybody had the Bengals on the playoffs last year. I don't think anybody had the Eagles on the playoffs last year. Like there's always hope that a team can somehow figure it out and that things will be a hell of a lot better than anybody's expecting. I don't discount that, but I, I think in the, in the first year of a rebuild where the roster is so drastically different again, like in, in, in maybe this doesn't ring, you know, with some people the way it does with me, just, you know, having watched the bears roster so closely and just kind of watching roster crunches and turnovers with other teams, like, the fact that the Bears are going to go into week one with over 50% of their roster being new players, like it's probably going to be closer to 60%, right? On top of a new, you know, a new front office, a new coaching staff, that is just, that is not something that you see a lot of. And I know that the, the mindset has been that things can't possibly be any worse because now Matt Nagy's out the door. Now they don't have a bunch of pointless veterans playing. And to a certain extent, I agree. I don't think this team, I don't think this team could be any more unwatchable than they were last year. I mean, we had to sit through Nick Foles starting games. We had to sit through Andy Dalton starting games. We had to sit through some of the worst offensive performances that we've seen going ranging back to the lovey years but at least with the lovey years like the defense was so good with taking the ball away and scoring points it didn't really feel that bad like this is that was one of the worst products we've seen even during the mark trestman era and i think mark trestman was a much worse head coach than matt nagy even during the mark trestman era they at least scored some damn points and the games were somewhat interesting like the you know this last year or so with under matt nagy the, the team has been really just borderline unwatchable. I mean, it's been a chore. I mean, we talked about it a lot last year, man. It was, it was hell trying to get through the season last year. Right. But with that being said, the, the, the comparison that or this thought process that just because Matt Nagy's gone means that the bears will automatically be better because they have an easier schedule. is just not great logic because again this is a this is a relatively new team this is you know and that's that's kind of where it's at where again like this this roster is going to be completely different the expectations are going to be completely different the coaching staff is different there's just a lot of different things that that go on and again and and people can disagree and that's fine like i've i've stated my mindset pretty clearly heading into the season i'm not worried about the record personally like it if they win four games or if they win six games, it doesn't really much matter to me because if they win six games and Justin Fields, you know, isn't, you know, if they don't have a clear answer on Justin Fields, then I'm not going to be happy. If they win four games and Justin Fields looks great and there's just a lot of a mess around him. And again, I know people say that that's not possible. It is possible. We saw it with Deshaun Watson back in 2020. It is possible to be a really good quarterback and have everything else around you go to crap. I, again, obviously there's more circumstances than just that. It is possible. I don't think it's going to happen, but I, I do think that there are situations both with a better record and a worse record where the development of the team can drastically differ. And I think that heading out of this year, again, I mean, we've talked, I mean, we previewed the offense, we previewed the defense, we talked about some of the moves that have been made. We've talked about, you know, the overall vibe that we're getting, but the reality of it is, is that the bears need some of these draft picks that they had from this year to step up. You know, they obviously they need Roquan Smith to be there. They need Jalen Johnson to take the next step. They need Justin Fields to take the next step. They need Darnell Mooney to take another step. They, you know, they, they need Bayless Jones to take a step. You know, these draft picks like Jaquan Brisker needs to be, 
you know, good, you know, the same thing with Kyler Gordon, like, you know, no more of this middling, you know, like James Daniels, where you, you take him the second round, he's 20 years old when you draft him or 21. And, and, you know, four years later, you're wondering like, okay, well, he's still young, but how good is this guy really? Like they need good players. And I think if the bears can come out of this year with a good grasp of what their actual needs are, because right now, let's be honest, we don't, we don't really know what they need and what they have because there's just so many question marks on this team as a whole. We don't, we don't really know. So if we can come out of this year as fans and obviously as the organization, as the talent evaluators of the team, you know, so on and so forth, if, if they can come out of this year um, and, and see, okay, you know, we need to make a move here. You know, we need to cut Eddie Jackson because he's not working or we need to keep Eddie Jackson because he's back to playing 2018. You can just go down the line and say, okay, these are the clear needs that we have for this team. This is how we're going to address them. Because again, they have a full allotment of picks next year. They're going to have a full allotment of picks the next year after that outside of their seventh round pick. They're going to have, you know, their cap situation is going to be good over the next few years because Justin Fields is in the second year of his, of, of a, you know, a, a four-year rookie deal and he's got a fifth-year option. Like the Bears are going to have some options and things are going to look a hell of a lot better next year than they do right now because of the, the resources as a whole. But in order for that to look even better and for in order for us to be sitting here this time next year, talking about training camp and how they could be one of those surprise teams, how that, you know, maybe they can sneak into a playoff spot. Who knows? Maybe they can be the team that knocks the Packers off, you know, and, and win the division title. A lot of things need to happen in terms of development. They need to find some answers at receiver. They need to find at least one or two young answers along the offensive line, because the reality is quite simple. There are going to be injuries on the offensive line. There always is. And guess who's going to be first off the bench in those situations? It's not going to be Dakota Dozier, thank God. It's going to be guys, you know, like, a, you know, a, a Doug Kramer, a Zachary Thomas, a Jatire uh, Carter. It's going to be guys like Larry Borum, um, you know, you know, Braxton Jones and, and Tevin Jenkins. Like those, and that's, that's what should excite fans is that even if there's an injury that happens, you're going to get to look at somebody who could be a potential contributor. Even look at corner right now. We don't know who's going to start. You know, Tavon Young seems like the guy who should start at the nickel. What happens if Thomas Graham steps up? You know, those are the kind of things that will go a long way for this team down the road. And that's the kind of stuff that excites me and interests me a hell of a lot more than what their overall record is going to be. Because quite frankly, I think even in the best case scenario, they're not going to be in the mix for playoffs. But if you feel differently, that's fine. But the entire point of a rebuild is to build the talent back up to see what you have. Now, that can happen simultaneously where a lot of you guys develop and you end up with a much better record than most people are expecting. Maybe that happens. I, I, again, I don't think that's overly likely, but I do think that they can have a very successful season winning five or six games. Um, and obviously that starts with Justin Fields. But there are a lot of, of young guys on this roster um, that have a ceiling that can tremendously help the Bears shorten the rebuild um, into a window where they can start contending more, uh, or, or more the point that they can start contending um, at an you know an earlier stage than maybe uh, was to be expected. So, I don't know, man. Again, it's a different feel. Expectations are low, but I don't think that's an issue because I, I don't think the expectations of wins and losses should really be the end all, be all in this situation. I think it should be much more about development. That's that's really what has me excited, just to kind of see things play out. Yeah, I'm with you. It's it's all about the development, and if they they rack up some wins, more power to them. But uh, you know, Justin Fields, these young guys, Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker, you know, even guys like Eddie Jackson. 
how how do they fit into this? And the development of all these players is key for the Bears here in, in 2022. And I think it's it's fair to be optimistic. Um, I'm not. I don't think this team is is a playoff team right now. I think um, they are. You know, going to be around the six to seven win mark um, at best. But that doesn't mean that they that they're not on the right track because you got to develop these players and get them to where they need to be. So. I agree with you, and that was well said. Um, I don't have anything else from today's presser unless you do, Aaron. No, man. I think it's. Uh, I think the next time that we we uh, do this, it's going to be actually talking about things that are happening on the football field. And thank God for that. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I, I'm, I'm excited to get out there and cover them. And, and as always, you know, we'll have our notebooks on the site. We'll have articles daily from training camp, um, more podcasts coming, some video stuff as well. So make sure you check out thebearreport.com. Um, and Aaron, where can they follow you on Twitter? And where can they read your work? Yep, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL on Twitter, and you can read my work on thebearreport.com. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at just Zach, Z-A-C-K underscore Pearson. You can follow the Bear Report on Twitter at just Bear Report. Um, please rate, review, and subscribe on all major podcasting platforms. Check out our YouTube page as well. Got some videos going up there. Um, Yeah, and until next week, everyone, please stay safe.